When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Cott and today I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Bryce and Graham Young. Guys, how are you both? Happy New Year and all that. Happy New Year, mate. 2021, glad to see the back of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But aye, it's one of those ones where I don't know if I should wish you Happy New Year, but it's the kind of festive thing you do, isn't it? Um, Good time for you both. Enjoy your your festive period. Very quiet, as you can imagine. Uh, but no, it was it was a slight upgrade on last year. So um, if we can keep making incremental improvements by I don't know twenty thirty, I might have a, <laughs> might have a problem. Uh, um, Graham, one uh, group of fans that would have been over the moon on New Year's Eve was Celtic fans because unlike previous transfer windows, when the club seems to kind of drag their heels and it's one of the last teams to get their business done um, on New Year's Eve, Celtic announced a triple signing. Not just one, not two, but three signings uh, in the shape of um, uh, Rio Hatate, uh, Yosuke Aidaguchi, and who's the last one I'm missing out? Oh, of course, Dyson Maida. Um, Celtic fans must have been buzzing at the news. Oh, definitely. Um, I think the fact that three of them were booted for so long was, it wasn't, it didn't catch anyone by surprise, but still uh, warmly received. Uh, Celtic bearing gifts, first foot in the fans at New Year. A trio of, um, I think, top players. I think the argument, obviously, like the success of Kyogo um, is evident. Anyone that's watching this season knows how good a player he is. Uh, so when you go back to a market, it makes sense. But obviously, there's an element of this because if Kyogo is the best of the four potentially, then it, it, does that make it? Is it the same blockbuster element? But I think the really important thing is all three of these players fit at all. Maeda, um, by all accounts. The report says he's a he's a workhorse striker who's improved as time's gone on in terms of finishing and um, if you look at his goals, a lot of them are just half yard in the box and like skimming a header into the bottom corner. The type of thing Dana said that Larson was very good at back in the day. Uh, he's obviously got to have a long way to get to that point, but he fits a role. Celtic want every player in the start the eleven to be working hard and Maeda by all accounts um, is the hardest working player of them all. Hatati as well is a really interesting player in the sense. He's played multiple positions. He was playing up to university level two years ago. I think the system's obviously different in Japan. That that's kind of um, the way that players often do it. Um, and he's played for the team that's won the title for the last two years. Key man plays in multiple positions. I think his position may be battling with David Turnbull in the kind of um, that position between McGregor and Rogic in the midfield potentially. But again, Celtic's injury history. Um, the first half of the season means that Hattati could be playing in multiple roles. Nidaguchi was maybe the highest rated of them all, maybe four or five years ago by all accounts, and seemed destined to be like the next great kind of sitting midfielder in Japan, but maybe a couple of wrong moves. The Leeds United switch didn't really work out, but I think it's quite brave of him to have a second go at it. Um, and that was obviously when he's thinking when he spoke. Um, 
about the decision to come to Celtic. And I think there's a trust level with Postecoglou that he's managing Japan, he's getting the best at Kyogo, he's worked with Maeda, um, he knows what he's looking for. And if he maybe if he thinks he's a good player, then he's he's probably right. So um, there's plenty to be excited about, and it really does uh, revitalise a team that was uh, running on fumes just before the winter break. Liam, uh, Gray makes a really good point there about the, the trust in Ange Postecoglou. Like, he could announce he's going to start fielding Hoopy the Hound, and I honestly feel like a faction of the Celtic sport will I fair enough. Um, but, like, I, if any of these players are half as good as Kyogo, Celtic have, have got, you know, another serious batch of signing on, signings on their hands. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the impact, obviously, that Kyogo's made is... It speaks for itself. Um, he, you know, he hit the ground running. Um, exactly, and everybody could see right away what he was all about. What kind of he was sort of, you could see right away that he had the, the potential to be a, a special player for Celtic, and it, it certainly panned out that way so far. So as Graham and yourself say, it's Postecoglou has kind of earned that trust um, to go back into this this same market that he knows really, really well, um, and to bring in another. Um, in another three signings from the J League, so I, uh, I uh, definitely they're, they're definitely you know interesting and exciting signings. Um, and as, as Graham says, it's the he touched on it's like the timing of it as well. I think is is key. You know, just from the point of view of the Celtic, they were they were kind of toiling in terms of injuries and whatnot. That you know the the, the the squad that they put out against St Johnston was about as makeshift as they as they come, and the timing as well also and. You know, it's it's been so warmly received by Celtic fans because, to an extent, you know they're not particularly used to, you know, getting these signs done and dusted early doors. And it was it's such a contrast to you know the summer where you had uh, Postecoglou was talking about you know hesitating in the market and uh, opportunities passing them by and not being pounced on. Uh, and he was kind of he was loud and clear and about that during the summer and you know it, it certainly seems that the, the club have listened to that and as I said it's been no it's been no secret that these three guys were on their way um, but I, I think you might get some of the more cynical Celtic fans who thought well there's no way we're going to announce them all on New Year's Eve all at the same time um, and I think even in his reaction to it Postecoglou there was just like kind of brief quotes from him on the Celtic website and he did make a point of how of saying how how happy he was to have him done early, um, and I think that's that's the key thing going into the the second half of the season because the January market is it's, it's you know it's typically it is difficult, and it can be difficult for players to settle you know even moving domestically never mind from halfway across the world, so to have that kind of bit of extra time with the winter break um, to get them these guys settled in and as we saw earlier on, and uh, Wednesday you know they're now they could play against Hibs, um, they could make their debuts there. So to get that time to, to get them settled in and bedded in, I think will be invaluable for, for the manager. Uh, as, as, as you say, Liam, they're, they're in line, certainly, or should be available um, to make their debut in the first post-winter break um, match, which is Hibs on January the 17th. I think we've got a story in um, Record Sport Online today about um, the players being left out of Japan's Karen Cup squad. Um, so hopefully we should we should get a good look at them in, in that game, if not from the start. Um, obviously, brilliant news, Graham, and, and exciting for Celtic fans, but where else do they need to strengthen this month? Where else is a priority? Defence, midfield, what's your thoughts? 
I think there is still a couple of areas that potentially uh, could be looked at. One would be, for me, um, another keeper. Um, I think Barkas, obviously, um, was a very Barkas performance, actually, this St. Johnson game, in the sense he's good with his feet, he always has been. He actually suits that style of football. Uh, and he had no chance to go to be fair to him, but he's got this weird... People used to make the argument it doesn't make saves, but he didn't have any saves to make. Um, <laughs> we can't stop the goal, but doesn't even he never just gets a shot straight at him just to bed him in. Uh, I think he's quite good at. I've got to be honest, is claiming the ball for corners. Um, not saying Joe Hart's not good at that, but maybe it's all down in his strength. I think a really strong backup keeper, maybe a 23, 24 year old that kind of profile. Scott Bain as well is fine, but there's an argument that Scott Bain. Maybe he's probably not in the top ten keepers in Scotland. I think you would want a Celtic keeper to be among that. Um, I think that is an area that if you can, because there's heart injured, if you can get a really top back up, that's important. Left back to me, it's debatable. Maybe it's plenty of options, but maybe not that bona fide kind of. Yanovich covers there. Uh, was Ralston's form has been so good. Scales looks good. I think Scales has been a decent signing. Huh? Uh, he's a kind of bigger, kind of like Sasa Papach size, kind of left back. Take the ball, decent crosses. Greg Taylor's a workhorse, does his best. Pretty decent player, but it's maybe an argument that it's never got the upgrade. But maybe that's not for January. Maybe they can feel that that's a position down the road. Um, and then you would be maybe looking, I think, elsewhere for that. Then a winger, but I don't think so if you can ever have too many wingers. Forrest. Johnson, injury-prone. Forrest is a, an incredible Celtic career, but he was almost injury-free for a long time after. That was a big uh, setback. He's, he's kind of early Celtic career, the hamstring injuries. Uh, but the last year and a half has been pretty troublesome from that way. Um, I could see another winger being an option. Obviously, they hope to tie up Jot in a permanent deal. And maybe you're making an argument for centre-half, but if Julian's coming back, you've just that's it. Do you know, And that's the one, because I think if you start felt for all his... Um, his, his, his moments there's a decent defender there but then Cameron Carter Vickers is an absolute standout just a top player uh, I don't remember um, a centre half at his height he looks about 5'10 been so dominant in the air mm-hmm. uh, and you bring Julian and Stephen Welch is a, a cracking player uh, he's not the finished article but he's just like that Stephen McManus style of defender that he comes in does a job loves the club um, and I think he's got room to grow actually I think Stephen Welch has got a great career um, so I, I, after weighing all that up, I think if you're doing it in a, a top three list importance to me, I would go maybe winger first. Um, I would say goalkeeper. I think if you can get Barkas out the door, I know Bain's relatively dependable, but I think they can upgrade there. And I think that's something that if Celtic, they've always got ambitions, or they've been pretty bold in the transfer market over the last two windows. That wouldn't shock me if that was a position. But uh, And then maybe left back if you can't get it. I wouldn't buy another left back who's just in the mix. I think it would be a case of, but then you make the argument that Juranovic, uh, you paid decent money for him, uh, but maybe that's just life, maybe, in a dream world that Juranovic would be just the kind of the spare man in all positions, but Tony Nelson's just playing at a level that no one imagined, and it's easy, I think he that kind of tough second half in Leverkusen, where I think people maybe have always doubted and go, oh, he was poor there, poor there. he's been absolutely excellent, he's a goal threat, and he's really good one-on-one, that's the thing, going back to me, when he's up against a fast winger, he takes good angles, he's able to sort crosses coming in. Um, I think that's where they can lay the land, but I think if it's going to be any position, I think it would most likely be a winger, another attacking option would be first, but as I say, goalkeeper could be something to look at. Yeah, I think Graham's he's, he's well covered it there. I, I, the only thing I would maybe add to it, and it might be more of a 
possibly maybe more towards the summer than in January. I just think the Celtic, you look at the you kind of look at the squad on paper and the, the depth of it now. I think that you, there's an argument that you could make a case uh, to add a bit more depth in those two, I suppose now you, you would call them the Turnbull and the Rogic positions. I know uh, that Rio Hatati is certainly expected to, to compete um, with David Turnbull in the, in the midfield, but I just think in terms of that, maybe just one extra creative uh, creative midfielder if you were being greedy at this point, um, because I think you look at the you look at the base of midfield now, and Celtic are quite well. They're quite well set there, you know. Obviously, Callum McGregor's first choice. Um, you get near Beaton who can come in. James McCarthy is he's not really done it quite yet, but he's still there as an option. And obviously, now they've added Idaguchi to the mix as well, even though, even if as well, you know, you've got Sorrow who's a wee bit uh, he's fallen right out of the picture to be honest. Um, but I think if you were if you were being greedy on top of what Graham said there, um, another option kind of further forward in midfield, um. Maybe somebody more in the. I mean, you don't get many players in the, the Tom Rogic mould, but somebody who's that creative threat uh, and a goal threat as well, just to add a bit of further depth there. And that's all I could really. I think that's all I could add at the moment to uh, to what Graham said, because you know you look up top and you've got Kyogo, um, who's obviously the main man. Uh, Made I could you know fill in as that second striker as well. Uh, yet he looks to be on his way out, and I think it's you know you could say this is a criticism. Possibly, even though he's been, you know, he's not had an easy time out with injuries, but you just, you still don't know about Jack Marcus really, do we? <laughs> it's kind of really hard to say whether he's going to make it or not. I'd, I'd, I'd forgot he was still a, a going concern, to be honest. I had, uh... Yeah, I mean, he's not had an easy time of it. I think, obviously, he came in and he hadn't had a pre-season. Um, and then he's he's maybe found, I don't know, has he found the intensity a bit, you know, a step up? Uh, you know, there's guys who did have a full pre-season and... You know, I've been playing regularly. Who have you know broken down with injuries? So he's not, he's not had much luck in that sense so far, is what you could say about him. But again, it, it seems that the jury's still out. But you know, that's getting away from the point a wee bit. I think you know, just coming back to if you were being greedy, maybe an extra option further forward in midfield. But I think it's certainly the depth of this, the Celtic squad is looking much much better than it was, and we've still got you know a good few weeks of the transfer window left to go. See, um, just going back to um, you both kind of mentioned Barcast there. I, I know we've talked about Barcast to death, and there's not much else to add. But I just think once he does leave, that'll go, that this must be one of the most kind of puzzling, kind of hard to explain transfers. Like clearly, he was a, a player of, of quality. He must have been scouted, played in the Champions League, played for Greece. And see the other day, like you mentioned, Graham, he didn't he didn't have a chance really with St Johnston goal. Good finish by Chris Kane, but. He, he seemed, when he jumped, he almost got shorter. He was almost, I was looking at the telly, his head was almost at a lower point from when he was standing. Just a really weird kind of episode, the Barker stuff, but I don't want to kind of lump on him. I think he's taken enough stick. Um, the other big news on Record Sport Online this week, Graham, has been about um, Cameron Carter-Vickers and, and the, uh, Jota, Felipe Jota, and whether or not Celtic can get them tied down permanently in this window. I think the numbers being banded about are sort of between 10 and 12, 12 and a half million. How much of a priority would it be to get it done this month? Uh, both deals, just uh, both of them would be bad. I think there's a compelling case for you could make for either one kind of been more important, but the, the fact is they're both 
vital players because Jota looks destined to be a top winger that can play the best leagues in the world to me. And Cameron Carter-Vickers um, has been an absolute stand-in. I think you need to give Carter-Vickers extra kudos because Celtic ask a lot of their central defenders. A lot of times they're left isolated, but he's very cool, he's very composed, decent passer, brilliant in the air, absolutely brilliant in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing as well. Starfield's not horrific in the air, but teams target him. They go, they'll put their best striker on because they know they don't get any change out of camp. He's just an absolute bully. He's so strong. He's keep people off the ball with ease. Um, just he's been an absolute... I think Celtic fans... Their wildest dream could have hoped it and it worked out much better. Um, people have watched them week in, week out. It's been so I think both are very important. I think everything's tied as well, isn't it? Like I'm not saying Celtic Europe League next season doesn't have appeal, but the Champions League's such a carrot for these players as well that if you can if they know they win the league this season, a very, very good chance that they'll be in the, the Champions League group stage. Um another level to showcase their talents. Uh, and again it would tie in with the kind of um way Celtic are operating right now, the three deals quickly out of the box January and then you add uh, the two kind of standout loan signings and long term deals. It was just a real sign of intention of what Celtic are about just now and then that probably opens them up for maybe one more transfer later on in the window. But um I know there's I don't know if you could put I don't know if we kinda of gun to the head situation where you go for but they both get their merits like I think you can get both in these long term deals your own player then at that point. I'm sure there'll be uh, selling fees tied up. Maybe, especially Jota, I would imagine. I think Benfica are kind of masters of that as well. And I'm, I don't think Daniel Levy's uh, comes up short in negotiations. So mm. probably that's, um, caveats that come in long-term deals or permanent transfers. But uh, both are just top players. I think they, I think it would make perfect sense to get them both tied up. And at the prices I mentioned earlier, would you, would you think that's good value for Celtic? Um, well... Aye, I mean it is. They're not. They're not going to come cheap. Put it that way. Um, but I think, as, as as Graham said, like you know the the push for this guarantee. Well, almost we don't want to say it, but almost you know guaranteed Champions League football. Um, it's it almost it was kind of justify. I think you know a bit of extra outlay because then if you get that, you know, you get the the bank you know the big pot for just getting there, and then you know there can be obviously you know you pick up more. Uh, money for if you can pick up a few results. So I, I think you know it's you know by Scottish football standards, it's not. It's certainly not cheap. But I think if you look at the potential rewards a few months down the line, then it's certainly worth pursuing. And all the noises are, you know, that the Celtic are trying to pursue it. So you know, we'll, I suppose we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. This obviously, I know it's, this might sound a bit naive, and I know transfers don't work this way, but. I was reading a bit about Benfica on my, you know, during my time off. I know, obviously, the wild Christmas parties uh, that must go on in my house. But reading about Benfica and how they're struggling this season, they're third in the Portuguese league, seven points off both Sporting and Porto. And I, I, a bit of me thought that it's really important to get Jota signed up, just because if you're Benfica, I would look at him and think, you know, actually, he's, he's a brilliant player. You know, I almost think it's important for Celtic to get him signed up him in particular, just purely because Benfica and even other teams will start to take notice and think, do you know what, 22, he's only going to get better. Uh, oh, definitely. I think we draw the interesting thing is he's maybe at the end of the road in terms of his Benfica career because um, Jorge, uh, Jorge Jesus, the ex-boss, um, he had a long-term 
well, the fans have had a long-term issue with him in terms of developing their own because the likes of Cancelo and Bernardo Silva um, were shunted out years ago. And um, I get a job that's kind of part of this new generation that's been the same. They've actually just appointed the ex-B team boss, but very much seems the plan is for Jota to kind of um, leave the nest. Um, finally, and this is Celtic moves work really well for them. Uh, but I agree with you as well. I think Jota, in, on, his fo- on the form he's shown at Celtic, is capable of playing for Benfica. So, um, But yes, again, I think there's a difference. He is 22. These guys know him really well. I think that's what Benfica are all about, evaluating talent. Maybe they feel differently and feel they can get a better player at a better price or uh, who knows but I think personally he would, he would be, he's got that level of quality you can see the style as well that's what these Benfica wingers are like they isolate players out wide few tricks turn get the ball in the box and that's what Jota's all about but um, Benfica's loss will be Celtic's gain if they can get the um, agreement in place and it just ties nicely doesn't it with, with the hamstring injury um, he'll be back for the, this run of fixtures you'd imagine I know it's a pretty serious hamstring injury by all accounts and and obviously, hope we'd be back for the Hibs game, but if not, pretty soon after. Um, but I know it's you can I can see what you mean, Daniel. Probably if you're in negotiations, you're like, okay, we'll just he's done okay, but we'll just take him uh, for this game down, play it down a bit. Do you know what I mean? And he's, uh, he's not very he's not very good at just trying. <laughs> but you don't want him back, honestly. <laughs> honestly, he's a nightmare. He's he's part of rubbish, so uh, we'll just go over the line. But he's he is a. A proper player, and I think wingers. Everyone knows the wingers. Like it's just tough. Like it's all confidence. And how many over the years? Like a player like Martin Boyle is not an out-and-out winger. The different times that certain managers can light a fire, and now he's playing at a level very consistent. Glenn Middleton at Rangers looked really, really good, and another player who's struggling now, James Forrest, over the years, it's these moments. It's a really temperamental position where um, it's it's because you're one-on-one with players. Like if you're not playing your best, you feel a bit out of form, but. Postecoglou's style, um, it's a lot of passing, but it really, they really are elevated to another level with Jota because he's just able to take the ball past players with ease. And um, with him and Kyogo, it's just really dangerous. And if you add my aid into that as well, um, it's, I can understand why Celtic fans are uh, giddy about the thought of the three, and, the three of them playing together. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing with Jota is like, you know, he's obviously. He was highly regarded, um, you know, kind of coming through the youth ranks um, at Benfica and playing for Portugal. But I think, you know, obviously playing under Postacoglu is, is, is in a style that suits him. But I think probably maybe one of the most important things is Celtic are giving him a, like a platform to go and perform. He's playing in a team that dominates games 90% of the time in Scotland. They're on the front foot. He's got that, as I said, that, that, that platform, that step to go and show what he's all about. Because, you know, he's... Was it? Was it Real? Was it via the lead? He had the, the loan at um, yeah. before he came. Was it Benfica? And I think they get relegated in the season that he was. The season that he was there. Um, so I mean, it's it's uh, obviously wasn't quite the ideal scenario for a player of you know for a player of his you know his his ilk if you know what I mean. Um, he's kind of one of them guys. It's it's. It was, I think you, you you could say like if he was. He's playing one of these kind of relegation threatened sides. He's not getting the opportunity to, to show what he can do, especially when you're a, you're a young player as well. You're looking for opportunities. I think it's it's certainly there's a there's been a kind of a match made in heaven at Celtic. Really, the overhaul of the style, um, the manager coming in who's prepared to give him a chance, and him going and taking that chance to show what he's all about. Um, so I think you know you you, you kind of you know, it fears you said Daniel about. You know, other clubs potentially coming in or, or this or that, but 
I think from the players' perspective, you know, you know, why wouldn't he want to join Celtic at this point? You know, it must it's kind of give him. I think he's already said that it's, it was the best. It's kind of the best time in his career so far. Um, so I think you, you know, that there might be other clubs that might be interested, but you know, I think Celtic's hand is is, is certainly in terms of what they can offer him is is very strong. Another thing I want to get um, your guys' take on is uh, look. The last thing that we want to be talking about is more games being suspended. Um, obviously, with this kind of early winter break, it's changed a lot of the, the fixtures. Celtic are now scheduled to play Rangers on February 2nd. But I think there's definitely a case for Celtic asking for a postponement. I, I think the rules are if you have three or more players called up on international duty, you can ask for a postponement. And with the Asian World Cup qualifiers, I believe Japan are taking on China on the 27th and they've got another game on the 1st of February as well. Um, that's against Saudi Arabia. Do you, what do you guys think? Do you think it's worth asking for a postponement? Do you think, uh, I know it's not something we really want to do, but you throw in Tom Rogic as well with Australia and all of a sudden, pretty decimated Celtic. Uh, I'm, I'm against it, personally. I, I, I think so, and I think what was um, Andrew's verse, uh, words he said about um, there'll be no violin playing, I think he's perfectly accepted that. So you've got two, Kyogo, Rogic, and then potentially Maeda, and Hattati's not, he's been an under-23 star, but Maeda's been more integrated in the first team, Jap- Japan's going, it's a very strong squad, it's very competitive, and Kyogo had to wait a decent amount of time to really establish himself. Um, I think you just need to go for it, honestly. I, I, and I, I've got to be honest with that, like if you're both arguments, the winter break, I think most agree it was the right decision. The way the clubs were able to come about it and decide what was best. But I think as well, you're still in that case of potential call-offs for non um, or COVID reasons as well. I think you just need to play opposites. You would want Kyogo to be on the pitch and Rogic to be on the pitch, but that's unfortunately the way that where we are. And I think the schedule is really, really tight. And you look, if Celtic put out Bodo Glimp, then that's two more midweek. Um, dates taken up and I think they've got a decent chance of doing that I think that should be a really good tie actually in the Conference League mm-hmm. uh, Rangers are the exact same as well Europa, uh, I know they're not favoured against Dortmund but that's another two weeks filled up and Rangers obviously can be without a rebo. I just for me an ideal world obviously the game wouldn't have been rearranged you just obviously if Covid wasn't here and they're in full house and a big game obviously with the, the absentees at the time but I think I think it has to go ahead. I don't think there's any other way around it. I don't know if William thinks differently, but for me, I think game has to go ahead as as planned. Uh, no, no, I, I I totally agree. Um, like I can I can see what you're saying, um, Daniel, and I, I know there is in you know there is in the rules that they're they're within the rights to do it. Uh, but I think Graham's he's he's pretty much covered it. I think with the situation so far. Um, and the way things have panned out, uh, with the winter break being brought forward, um, and the kind of, it's just the lack of the lack of wiggle room in the in the fixture list. And I know that we want, on top of that, you know, it's the flagship fixture in Scottish football, and you want to you want to have all the best players available. You want to showcase, you know, what what Scottish football is all about, and because there's obviously some real talent uh, here in our game. But in in this circumstance, you know, if if they were to postpone this. Um, as Graham says, if Celtic then go through in Europe, and then I don't know. On top of that, there's another, say, another COVID outbreak at the club, and there's not enough players to play fixture X, Y, and Z. It just starts to really pile up, and it could, 
it could turn into a bit of a, a nightmare situation um, with with the the amount of fixtures um, um, that they might end up having to play. Uh, so again, it's not ideal, but it's I know people always put it this way, but it's the world we're we're living in at the moment. And I think certainly listening to Ange Postecoglou the other day, you know, he didn't he didn't rule anything out, but reading between the lines, it seemed to me that his preference would be just to play the game regardless of you know what call-ups may or may not materialise. You've also got the fact that imagine Celtic win the game without Kyogo and Tom Rogic. Imagine that for a kind of boost as well, which is right. definitely awesome. I think mm-hmm. based on, say Maeda isn't called up, that might not be called up either, then Maeda replaces Kyogo, you can rejig the midfield, potentially could be a new, another attacking option added between now and then. Uh, the lesser spotted Jack and Marcus could be back in the mix. So I think we get to that point that Celtic can't understand the rules there. But that's very much even the old rule, you know, the one about when maybe teams in the championship or uh good players are like down the leagues and then maybe three players absent get a call like the same rule. Mm-hmm. You always maybe that just doesn't sit right sometimes if you get a team in and I think that's exacerbated by what we're going through now, the amount of skeleton squads we've seen on the pit. Look at St Mun. Celtic the argument that was kind of made about Celtic all, you know, they don't have much team foundation. There's 10 teams that won the league to the winter break to be brought forward. But like, there's, sometimes there's a band of brothers element that comes in. St Myrna are probably new, they were down to the bare bones, but they're able to get a result. Sometimes that can galvanise a squad before a game as well. And I think so if it's you go in positive, if you're at home, they would obviously hope fans were in attendance. We'll wait and see how that goes. Um, but I think there's still, I just think there's too many. Elements of play, I think it's probably right to me. I can see your point, Daniel, of course, and um, was made, but I just think the right calls for the game to go ahead. I don't think the players wouldn't want to call off, surely. You know, I don't think they'd want to postpone it. I think, you know, the you know, you could say, oh, well, Celtic were happy to move the winter break, but I think that was different. I think that's that's obviously been done with a view to having fans miss as little football as possible. Um, whereas obviously, this is you know, it's different, and I, I just can't, I can't see. It's different, and you know, it's just be, be players missing. We might well have fans back in, uh, in, in some capacity uh, by the time this fixture comes around. You know, fingers crossed. Um, but it's a different scenario. It's you know, it's players being called up for international duty potentially, which you know has been happening, you know, since the, the dawn of time in football. Uh, so I I, I I couldn't imagine like you know the, even the Celtic players if they were if they were short of a few that they'd they'd want to have the game postponed. I think they want to get it played. I know. I, I to be honest, I, I kind of agree with both of you. I, I really was more kind of intrigued by the prospect. Like like you mentioned him, um, Postecoglou's works about the whole you know we're not going to be playing any violins and his whole general spirit this season about let's just go out there and do it has been kind of refreshing. But then if I, I was just thinking about it, if you're him, your whole season hinges on this game, surely you'd, you'd want to take every opportunity to have your best team out. But then again, when you were talking there, Graham, you made a good point about if they if they play the game and win without their best players. It made me think, can you imagine Celtic asked for it to be postponed and then lost? Do you know what I mean? That would be a, a you know massive egg in their face then. So it's an interesting one, but I suppose anyone listening can get in touch with us on Twitter at Record Sport and on Instagram um, at Daily Record underscore Sport and can can let us know your thoughts. Um, guys, I think that more or less brings us to the end of this week's Record Celtic podcast. Um, thanks very much for your contributions as always, guys. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers.
and we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Bye.